Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Lighthearted. My name is Anna. And my name is Bracey, and we're two average gals chatting about what it means to grow. We are so excited about the super special episode today. We are having our second guest ever on the show. Her name is Laura Jasmine, and she is joining us to talk about her growth journey with living more ethically and sustainably, especially when it comes to fashion. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we have been really excited to interview you. Um, All right. Well, we're just going to jump in and get started. Tell us how you got interested in this like sustainable and ethical world of fashion. So I've always been into fashion. I wouldn't say I'm a high-end fashion person, but I am your average gal who loves to go shopping and get a good deal. And shopping has always been a fashion of mine when it comes to clothes. So I've always been into fashion. And I feel like I was always aware of unethical and unsustainable practices in the fashion industry, but it was like background noise to me. You know, every now and then you would see a headline about a sweatshop associated with Nike, or I would read a paragraph in my environmental science textbook about factory pollution. So I was aware on a surface level, but I wasn't really ready to act. And so that started to change about seven to eight years ago. I really started to pay attention to sustainability and ethics when it comes to fashion. And there are a couple of key things that stand out to me as light bulb moments for me when I started to really get interested in sustainable and ethical fashion. The first is when I calculated my slavery footprint um, at slaveryfootprint.org. And that was something I did as part of a class assignment in college. And um, it's a quiz that you take where you fill in information about your lifestyle. And essentially, this online tool tells you how many slaves are working around the world to support your lifestyle. Ooh, and that's tough. oh my gosh. <laughs> so I was horrified at the results um, at the end at how many people who were in modern day slavery or being trafficked were working to support the life I lead here in a very privileged position in the United States. So that was one light bulb moment for me. Do you have any idea of like what the average person's slavery footprint is? I am I am not sure, but um, things that probably are pretty influential in determining that is, of course, um, clothing, how you shop for clothing, food, the types of foods you eat and how you shop for food, and then fossil fuel consumption. So um, how big your house is and how much gas you use in your car. So those would those would be, I would guess, the main factors that determine how many slaves are working to support your lifestyle. Okay. It feels really impactful, I think, and powerful when you say that word, say slavery. It just, I think it immediately shifts things into a different perspective. For sure. Um, It definitely did for me. Yeah. So um, another light bulb moment I had right around that same time is I read the book Seven by Jen Hatmaker as part of a book club um, that Anna also um, does with me. She's part of my book club. So I know. I was like, wait, I've read that book. <laughs> yeah. So the book is now called Simple and Free. It's been republished by Jen Hatmaker since. So if anyone who's listening wants to look for it, it's called Simple and Free now. But the book talks a lot about the ways in which we consume to excess here um, in the Western world. And so it it left me feeling convicted about my own consumption and overconsumption habits, and specifically when it came to clothing. 
And then the other light bulb moment that happened, again, right around the same time as all these other things, was the incident of the forgotten black t-shirt in my closet. This was a watershed moment for me. I was going through my closet one day and I found a shopping bag um, in the back of my closet and I thought, what in the world is this? And I opened it up and inside was a brand new shirt with tags on it that I had purchased several months before and just completely forgotten that I had bought. Like I didn't remember I had bought it. I didn't miss it. I hadn't been looking for it. It had literally just been sitting on the floor, the floor of my closet. And I thought, wow, this was clearly an unnecessary purchase. Um, It was not something I needed or even cared about or wanted that much because I just forgot about it on the floor of my closet for months. And it was from a store that's what we would call a fast fashion store that's producing cheap, poorly made clothing. Um, And so I knew already that it probably wasn't the best shirt to be buying. And then the fact that I had completely forgotten about it just left me feeling like I needed to make a big change in my fashion consumption. Could you tell us a little more about exactly what you mean by sustainable and ethical? Yes, absolutely. So um, ethical fashion is kind of a buzzword, but it can mean a lot of different things to different people. So what ethical fashion means to me is that this is clothing that is produced in a way that is kind to people and kind to the earth. That's where the sustainability piece comes in. So um, for me, that means that the people making the clothes are being paid a fair wage, that they have good working conditions in the factories where they work. It means that the materials that are being used for the clothing and the production methods that are being used to make the clothing are not harmful to the earth, or at least are less harmful than conventional methods. Um, So that's how I think of, of ethical and sustainable fashion. What's an example of a method of creating clothes that isn't good for the earth? I know so little about this. So probably one of the best examples I can think of because it's just so polluting to the earth is traditional methods of dyeing leather are extremely toxic. The dyes and chemicals that are used and very often the factories where this is being done overseas are, they're not doing anything to try to clean up the byproducts of that dyeing process before they release them into the rivers and the waters that then people are bathing in and drinking out of. So it's extremely toxic to people downstream from the factories and also very toxic for plants and animals that are downstream as well. Okay. Gotcha. So what has this transition been like for you? Like, has it been hard? Has it been easy? Tell us more about that. Okay. So after all of these culminating events where I started to realize I needed to make a change, I decided I would do a year-long challenge of only buying fair trade clothing for a year. And I'll talk in a minute about what fair trade means. But I know for some people listening, that may not seem like a, a big deal. Some people may not buy much clothing in a year. But for me, I would call myself somewhat of a shopaholic at that time. So for me to go an entire year without just walking into Banana Republic and buying whatever I wanted, that felt like a a big step for me. So I decided I would only buy fair trade clothing that year, no exceptions. So fair trade is a certification um, that's given by a nonprofit that certifies that that product has met certain standards for ethical and sustainable production. So there's 
an independent nonprofit organization that is evaluating the organization to make sure that they are adhering to ethical and sustainable practices. So when something is fair trade certified and has a fair trade logo or seal on it, you know that it's been made um, in an ethical way. So it's kind of the gold standard for ethical and sustainable production. Anna, do you know if you have anything in your house that's fair trade? I think I probably have some clothes that are because I'm pretty sure Madewell is a fair trade and ethical fashion brand. Laura, am I right about that? (laughs) I don't know if they are certified fair trade, but they may have certain products that are certified fair trade. And they are doing a lot when it comes to sustainable and ethical production. Okay. Otherwise, I don't know. Is Everlane fair trade? I don't know if they, if all of their products are fair trade certified, but they have done a lot when it comes to sustainability. They are a brand that I personally buy from. Yeah, we buy a lot from there. My husband is very invested in the environment and we both tend to shop from Everlane a lot. We also got Bolin Branch towels for Christmas and those are definitely fair trade. I love Bolin Branch and yes, they are. They are fair trade. Mm-hmm. Another place where um, people listening might find a fair trade certified product in their own house is in the kitchen. Coffee and chocolate um, is that's an industry where there are a lot of fair trade certified suppliers and growers. So it's cool. Check your bags of coffee and your bars of chocolate and they may be fair trade. Nice. All right. I'm sure you're going to talk about like, yeah, your year of fair trade more. But my immediate thing is I know I am such an emotional shopper. So I'm curious how a year of not being able to like go into your favorite stores and buy their clothes and get what you want. Like, was that emotionally difficult? Also, what were your favorite stores that you had to give up? Oh, gosh. Um, So I was someone who prior to starting this challenge, I would just go to the mall for the entire day. Um, I loved going to the mall and shopping and just making a day out of it. Like that would be a fun Saturday for me. Yeah. Like just a treat yourself day. That's actually my nightmare. I hate the mall. <laughs> I love clothes. I hate the mall. I, um, I like it a lot less now, now that I don't go as often when I do go, I wonder why I ever enjoyed going. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Some of my favorite stores, I think were a lot of the stores that have factory stores um, at outlet malls. So J. Crew, Ann Taylor, Ann Taylor Law, Banana Republic, a lot of those big box stores that are definitely, unfortunately, fast fashion stores. Yeah. So um, the year of fair trade went pretty smoothly. I am someone who once I commit to something, I go in 100%, definitely a perfectionist. So I was very committed. I was not going to cheat, very dedicated to this year. And it did feel a little bit restrictive at first, but also exciting in a way to get to do some research and find new brands that I hadn't heard of before and explore what at the time to me was a brand new world of ethical and sustainable fashion companies. So I actually had a lot of fun researching, you know, new brands to shop from and trying out some new things. Did you have a rule on if people gifted you clothes that weren't fair trade or was that allowed? What was the deal with that? Yes, I did accept gifts from people and I still do that. It's interesting as time has gone on and I've had more conversations with people close to me and as they have 
come to learn more about why I'm so passionate about this, I find that now many people do gift me sustainable and ethical clothing, which is great, but that's never something that I've tried to force on anyone. I don't think that's a very effective method for change and for helping to show others new ways of thinking. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what your Enneagram number is? Oh, can you guess, Gracie? I bet you can. I mean, I was going to say either a one or a three. I'm a one. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you a wing too? I am. Yeah, that perfectionist thing. I And it's funny too, because my husband is a one and the whole like, we have to compost, we only use glass for like leftovers, like all of those things he's very, very serious about. So I see some parallels here. Yes, absolutely. I think especially when I start talking about ethical and sustainable fashion, my oneness comes out pretty strong. So (laughs) there's a right way to do things, you know? There clearly is. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, since, since that year of exclusively buying fair trade, I've loosened up a little bit about how I shop for clothing. Not all brands that are ethical and sustainable have gone through the process of getting fair trade certified. Um, so there are plenty of ethical and sustainable brands that don't have that certification that I still feel like are wonderful brands to support and buy from. So I do purchase from brands that are not certified. And I also now buy a lot more secondhand clothing than I did in the earlier days of buying ethically and sustainably. So I would say now about 80 to 90% of my fashion purchases are secondhand. Where do you do most of your secondhand shopping? It's a mix and it has shifted a little bit during the pandemic as well. Um, Pre-pandemic, I shopped a lot at consignment boutiques um, where I live here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I had a handful of favorite boutiques that I would go to regularly to come through and find some goodies. Since the pandemic started, I've shifted a lot more into online consignment shopping. And my favorite places for that are ThreadUp and Poshmark. Where else do you shop? What are your favorite brands to shop from now? That's a great question. For myself, I really enjoy shopping from REI, um, which is not necessarily an all ethical and sustainable store, but they carry a lot of ethical, sustainable and fair trade brands at REI. And that's a place where you can go in person too, which is nice for something. Mm-hmm. I shop a lot at Athleta, which is a certified B corporation. That's another type of certification that an organization can get. Um, I would say it's maybe a little less strict than fair trade certified, but it is also a certification for ethical and sustainable practices in business. And you don't necessarily have to be a brand that's selling something to be certified as a B corporation, like a bank could be certified as a B corporation. So all that to say, Athleta is a certified B corporation. And so that's another place where I enjoy being able to go shop in person if I want to for clothing. I spend a lot of time um, in the summer in swimsuits. So some of my other favorite places, um, favorite brands to buy from are Kitty and Vibe and Albion Fit, which are swimwear and activewear brands. So those are a few of my favorites. And then for my husband, um, I'm I buy him a lot of sustainable and ethical clothing as well. And um, our go-to for him is Everlane for sure. Everlane's basics are so great. Whoever's listening, if you haven't shopped at Everlane, check it out. So good. Yes, we're big fans. I have my first pair of Everlane jeans 
downstairs in the mailbox waiting for me to get them. They got delivered a couple hours ago. <laughs> I can't wait for you to try them on. I feel like Everlane's jeans are second only to Madewell's. Okay. I'm excited. So exciting. So another big change for me in transitioning to sustainable and ethical fashion has been buying a lot less. So as a self-described shopaholic before, I was buying a lot of clothing all the time. And because it was so cheap, you know, I could go to um, J. Crew factory and get, you know, several shirts all for 50 to $100. It was cheap. So I could do that a lot. So now that I'm buying ethical and sustainable clothing, I really try to be careful about asking myself whether I truly love or truly need an item before buying it, even if it's cheap. So before, if I saw a $5 shirt, I would think, I mean, I'm sure I'll use that black $5 shirt at some point. Might as well go ahead and get it. And I don't do that anymore. Um, even if I find something at a thrift store that's incredibly cheap, if I don't love it or I don't really need it, then I don't buy it. So that's another way that I've tried to become more sustainable in my consumption habits. And um, that's changed a lot. And then the other thing I will say is that as I have made my wardrobe more ethical and sustainable, I have gradually over time found myself starting to transition to ethical and sustainable purchasing in other areas of my life, whether it's food or electronics or furniture or home decor. I've slowly started to incorporate ethics and sustainability into other purchases as well. And cleaning supplies. Yes. Cleaning supplies, beauty products, really anything. You can find a more ethical or sustainable option if you try. It is also really fascinating to see your um, Enneagram One approach to like do this really hardcore for a year. Whereas typically my approach to things like this is, okay, I'm out of my foundation. Let me go find one that is ethical and sustainable. I think that's the only way that I've really been able to make these changes, which I haven't made nearly as many as you, but like I try where I can, especially with the things that I'm running out of. Honestly, that's how my approach has been for a lot of things as well. For fashion, I kind of went all in really hard, really fast. But for everything else, it's been more of a gradual transition for me too, just because I think especially as an Enneagram one, I want to do everything perfectly. So it's really overwhelming. If you're trying to find a perfect, sustainable and ethical option for every product in your house, that's just way too much. So I have taken a similar approach to you, Bracey, in once I run out of something and I'm looking to replace it, then I will try to find a better option to replace it with. Is there anything crazy that you've discovered through this process that is really shocking about the fashion industry? I think even just developing an awareness that slavery and human trafficking and worker abuse is still so prevalent in the fashion industry was a little shocking to me. You know, living in the United States where we have, we certainly have our fair share of problems, but we do have basic labor laws that protect workers. It can be a little shocking to realize how different working conditions are in other countries. So, you know, there in a lot of other countries, garment workers are required to work 14 hour days. They make as little as 25 cents an hour for their services. Every year, there are deaths from factory fires or factory collapses. One of the worst ones in recent history was the Rana factory collapse in Bangladesh in 2013, which really catalyzed this ethical and sustainable fashion movement globally. But over 
1,100 garment workers lost their lives in that factory collapse. And it was completely preventable. For weeks, workers had been going to management at the building to let them know that there were cracks in the walls and nothing was done. So just learning about the unethical practices in the fashion industry has been pretty shocking to me. Yeah, that's so that's terrible. Yeah. I also feel like I'm so glad we're talking about this because I feel like it is something that is so easy to turn a blind eye to. Absolutely. Because um, we're such a consumerist society. And I think it's just been accepted because it's just our norm. Yeah. And just like Laura said, I mean, you don't think twice about seeing a shirt you kind of like that's $5 and picking it up. And you think nothing about the ramifications of that purchase. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's very much out of sight, out of mind. But one thing I've found as I've made changes is it's so much better when you are aware and you make those changes. You feel so much more at peace with yourself. And there's something really beautiful about recognizing the humanity in other people across the world and wanting the best for them, just like you would for yourself or your family or your friends. And so the way I buy clothes now, some people might see is too difficult or too restrictive, but really it's a wonderful thing to get to do. And it, it makes you feel connected to other people and very at peace with your decisions with your money. Gosh, that's such a nice way to put it. I know. I was like, should we put this embroidered on a pillow somewhere? Because <laughs> that was so beautiful. <laughs> it's similar to the way when we eat vegetables or whatever from our grocery store, I always like to think about the people who harvested those vegetables or the farmers who put all the labor into the food that I'm eating that like I actively think about that because I think it is nice to have gratitude for the people who provide for you in that way. And it's just the same with clothes. I've just never thought about it that way. Absolutely. And then, you know, we've talked a little bit about the human impacts in the fashion industry, but also the environmental impacts have been a little shocking for me to learn about. The fashion industry is one of the top greenhouse gas emitters um, in the world. Water waste is insane. I was looking up some statistics the other day and 1.3 trillion gallons of water are used per year just for dyeing clothes alone. So just for putting the color onto our clothes, we're using 1.3 trillion gallons a year. I don't even know how to conceptualize how many (laughs) a trillion is. That's such a huge number. Um, And then just looking at the waste aspect of it, Americans, so just looking at our country, we throw away 16 million tons of textiles each year that are piling up in landfills. So just the staggering statistics that you find when you start looking into the pollution within the fashion industry can be pretty shocking as well. All right. So all of those horrifying statistics aside, how difficult was this for you to to make these changes? And what were the most difficult ones to make? I think not being able to shop as much in stores was a big change for me. I really like being able to try things on in person and I'm picky about how my clothes fit. So I really liked being able to walk into JCPenney and try on my clothes. And when you're exclusively buying from ethical and sustainable brands, they don't always have storefronts in malls. There are some notable exceptions, but... Um, that was a big shift for me was learning how to be a good online shopper for clothes. I think learning to shop less was a little difficult for me at first, but has 
become something I've adapted to. And then just having a mind shift change on how much I'm willing to pay for a certain item of clothing. That was a little difficult for me at first because the ethical and sustainable products are often a little more expensive because the workers making them are actually being paid a fair wage. And the production process is moving in a way that is kind to the environment rather than, you know, making shortcuts and polluting. So sometimes those items can be more expensive. So I really had to have a mind shift in how much I was willing to to spend per item. I will say that I don't spend any more on clothing than I used to. I buy a lot less and I'm paying more for those few items I do buy. So in the end, it really equals out. I'm not actually spending anymore. But at first, it was really hard to stomach the idea of spending what seemed to me like a lot of money on a single shirt. It's like making an investment in both the environment and other human beings. And your clothes, too, because they probably last a lot longer. They might fit better, all of those things. Also, I feel like when I pay more for an item, I tend to treat it better. Absolutely. And because I'm only buying items that I really love, I'm going to keep them forever, or at least much longer than I would have when I just bought something just because it was cheap. You know, most likely when I did that, I wore it once or twice and then put it in the donate pile. But when I'm really being conscious about only spending my money on things I really love, then I keep it a lot longer. So it is an investment for sure. All right. So we've talked a little bit about a few things, but what would you say are some small changes that people can make starting now to live more ethically and sustainably? So first of all, I just want to affirm that it is such a good thing to start small. Um, Going big works for some people, but for most people, it's completely overwhelming. So I think it's a really great idea to just start with one step or look at one area of your life where you want to improve and start doing that now. So some small things that people could do are, one of my favorite things is take a look in your trash can and notice what there is a lot of, and then think about how you can cut down on that waste being in your trash. So if there's a lot of food in your trash can, Maybe you could look into whether the city where you live has a composting service. Fun fact, I had no idea that Raleigh, where I live, has citywide composting. It's not curbside. You have to take it to the to the waste center, but you can compost here in Raleigh. And I had no idea for years. So look to see whether your city has composting or you could look for a compost service in your area that you could sign up for. Or if you live on property, you can get your own compost bin. We have two at our house in Raleigh, and we have one at our lake house. So that's been really, really easy and convenient for us. 100%. I've even been seeing Instagram ads for little countertop compost bins that supposedly turn your food scraps into compost like right on your counter. Oh, interesting. I feel like we would fill that up in about 30 seconds. But we do have, we have a little compost bin that we keep underneath our sink. So... I go there first if I'm ever cooking, and then anything that's left over that can't go in the compost bin is what gets trashed. That's awesome. That's a huge area where you can cut down on your waste. If you see a lot of paper towels in your trash can, maybe you can start using reusable washable towels or rags to clean up messes instead of paper. If you're seeing a lot of food packaging in your trash can, maybe you can 
purchase products that come in less packaging or in packaging that can be recycled. So those are just a couple of examples of things you might see in your trash that you could then make some changes to cut down on the amount of waste in your trash. And that's a way to live a lot more sustainably. Another tip is to look at what you're eating. Um, There's a lot of different ways that you can eat more ethically and sustainably, but my top pick for a small change that can have a huge impact is to eat less meat. The meat production industry is one of the most polluting industries when it comes to food. So that's one thing you can cut out that will have probably the biggest impact on waste. Just taking the step to buy less of everything, not necessarily giving up anything, but buying less of everything is a huge way to make a big step um, sustainably. Of course, being into sustainable and ethical fashion myself, I have to plug fashion. So start doing some shopping for secondhand clothing or looking at an ethical brand that you could purchase from for your next purchase. And then my final suggestion for a small step people can take is to commit to learning. So there are a lot of great resources out there right at our fingertips for ways we can learn more about ethics and sustainability in the fashion industry, but in all areas of our life. I highly recommend watching the True Cost documentary, which is available on Netflix or you can rent it on Amazon. It specifically talks about ethics and sustainability in the fashion industry, and it's a beautifully done documentary. I highly recommend it. You can go calculate your slavery footprint at slaveryfootprint.org like I did and learn more about the supply chain that goes into your lifestyle. I'm definitely doing that after this call. Yeah, same. Highly recommend doing it. And then that book that I mentioned previously as well, Simple and Free by Jen Hatmaker, that book does have a Christian spin to it, but I think that anyone, regardless of their faith, could get a lot out of it just in learning more about our consumption habits and ways that we might be able to pare that down. So I highly recommend, those are just a couple of my top picks of resources, but Google is right at our fingertips all the time. So commit to doing some learning about um, ethics and sustainability in the fashion industry and beyond and commit to being a lifelong learner. And Laura didn't plug herself, but she does have a full website of tons of blog posts about all of this. So check that out at fairlysouthern.com. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> fairlysouthern.com. And I'm at fairlysouthern on Instagram and Facebook. And there are lots of other wonderful, um, sustainable and ethical fashion advocates out there on social media. I learned so much from following others on social media and learning about all the neat ways that they're making an impact in the world. So highly recommend surrounding yourself with people who inspire you on social media. Laura. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been so interesting to learn about and you are so smart and so kind and truly just like one of the loveliest people to be around and be in conversation with. So we really are grateful that you shared your story with us today. Seriously, I learned a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. It's always fun to talk about a topic that I'm so passionate about. So I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So you can follow us at Lighthearted Pod on Instagram. And of course, also follow Laura at Fairly Southern on Instagram and Facebook. And if you guys have any favorite sustainable and ethical practices or brands, we would love to hear it. Please email us at lightheartedpodcast at gmail.com. 
Talk to you next week. Bye.